the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. The Bob Brand Authority, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Wednesday, the 28th morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Appreciate you being here. Going to start on a local conversation or a local topic now, at least local to the state of Ohio, because then we're going to dive into a whole, actually, going to be very Ohio-centric for the first hour. And once I consider the fact that coming up at 9.35, we are going to be talking with a voice, a man uh, with a voice that you have heard many times over the course of the last few years on this program. When he was a sitting congressman, he was on my program each and every Friday. Now that he is uh, in private life but still very actively involved in Ohio policy uh, as the founder of the Ohio's Future Foundation, former Congressman Jim Renacci is uh, working and uh, focusing on a lot of Ohio issues. And uh, he's got a new book out, and he's going to be joining us to discuss that book coming up at exactly 935. And he is taking some people to uh, to the woodshed in this new book, people on the right and left side of the aisle, Republicans and Democrats alike. So we're going to talk to Congressman Jim Renacci about that at 935, former Congressman, rather. Then at 10.05, it's a great day, because it's a Kersenow day. Peter Kersenow will be joining us with his thoughts on a host of issues, including the topic I'm going to bring up with you now. As I said, it's going to be kind of Ohio-centric here, and it's a big deal. Uh, I'm speaking of the announcement uh, by the Attorney General of the State of Ohio, Dave Yost, who has announced his decision on behalf of all Ohioans to join a lawsuit um denying essentially essentially um civil rights act style protections for lgbtq workers late on friday republican attorney general dave yost announced he was going to join a us supreme court case on whether or not federal civil rights laws 
such as, again, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, protect LGBTQ employees from workplace discrimination. Ohio will be siding with the states that say, no, they do not. The news came as a shock to some activists, as you can imagine, but was well received by others. Senator Nikki D'Antonio from Lake, or Nikki Antonio, rather, from Lakewood was disappointed, saying, quote, our attorney general has entered into weighing in in support of a push to discriminate against a group of people. That is appalling. That is absolutely not the case, by the way. For years, Antonio has tried to pass what she called the Ohio Fairness Act, which is a bill to, uh, to add sexual orientation and gender identity, otherwise known as psychological delusion, as protected classes under the state's anti-discrimination law related to employment, housing, and public accommodations. She notes that one of Mike DeWine's first actions as governor was to sign an executive order protecting LGBTQ state workers. So the attorney general's decision to file a front-of-the-court brief in this lawsuit has left her puzzled, and she has written a letter about that asking why in the world would we put effort into taking away rights from people that are working to open the circle and include everyone, end quote. Now, I think anybody who's been paying attention to this show knows the answer to that question because it is not about taking away the rights from people who are LGBTQ. It is about taking away the rights from people who will not bow to their demands regarding their workplaces, regarding their practices, regarding their employment, regarding their locker room and changing and restroom facilities, regarding their teams, etc., etc., the promotion of LGBTQ quote unquote rights under this type of, at the point of this type of sword, is a denial of rights to everybody else. That's what cannot be allowed to happen. Conservatives are pleased with the decision to join the lawsuit. Aaron Baer with Citizens for Community Values and the federal, said the federal civil rights law at issue, Title VII, of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 includes five protected classes that are clearly defined, sex, race, color, religion, and national origin. That's it. Attorney General Dave Yost is standing up for the law, not what some political activists want it to be. When Title VII was passed, it's very clear, uh, it was very clear that sex means male or female. And what you have today is a handful of activists trying to redefine words that Congress passed to achieve their political victories, Bear said. Also, in this case, he said it appears activists don't believe their own argument that sexual orientation is protected by that law, because if they did, they wouldn't be pushing things like H.R. 5, which uh, uh, what they call the Equality Act, or Senate Bill 11 in Ohio, that they call the Fairness Act, where they're trying to add gender identity and gender expression to the law. They don't even believe their own legal arguments. So what you have is Dave Yost, the Attorney General of Ohio, standing up for common sense and for what the law actually is instead of what political agenda, a political agenda wants it to be. That's about as obvious and as plain as the nose on your face, is it not? What a a unique and novel idea. The Attorney General, whose job it is to enforce and uphold the law, the highest you know law enforcement official in the in the state that's what the attorney general is the top cop if you will in the state imagine that wanting him to stand up for the law as it was passed in 1964 activists want to change that law to include their own political agendas and their own narratives some conservatives extend their concern to the so-called bathroom bills which i addressed 
which allow a person to use the restroom or locker room or changing facility or shower facility that matches their gender quote-unquote identity. As I noted, psychological delusion. We're pro-science around here. Again, I brought this up yesterday. When it comes to team identity versus team biology, I'm going to choose team biology every time. Because there is no way I will sit by quietly while someone passes a law that means that my daughter or my wife or your daughter, your wife, your sister, your mother, your grandmother has to be in the presence of male genitalia exposed to them because somebody says, it's okay, just pretend that thing down there isn't there. I, I really feel like a woman. Don't worry about the, the male anatomy, the genitalia that's swinging down there. Don't worry about that. I really don't pretend. I pretend it isn't there. That's how I get by. I feel and I identify like I don't have that down there. No. Nope, 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 nope. Never going to be okay. Though that legislation has been proposed in Ohio, it's never been given serious consideration. <clears throat> And indeed, no state has a law quite like that on the books. Yost wasn't available for comment, but said in a written statement that the case about whether a judiciary gets to write new laws or if they should that should be left to elected legislators, he adds, if the law is to be amended, Congress, not the courts, should be the one doing it. With that in mind, the state's leading LGBTQ rights group says Yost should be speaking up in the opposite way. Of course they do. Um, it is backwards for the state of Ohio to have the attorney general coming out and saying LGBTQ people should not be protected from discrimination in the workplace, said Marshall Troxell, policy coordinator for Equality Ohio. Really, we would love for him to come out and say LGBTQ people should be explicitly protected and urge his colleagues in the legislature to move the Ohio Fairness Act forward. I'm going to tell you, Mr. Troxell, and you were cordially invited to come onto this program and explain this to me in a way that we can all understand clearly. Why do you think the quote-unquote rights of LGBTQ LGBTQ people should supersede the rights of everybody else. That's the question. Why do heterosexuals, normals, and and I'm and, you know, people criticize that word normal. You're saying we're abnormal. Yes, by definition, something that is in an extreme minority is an abnormality. If the norm is the majority, uh, this is the you know uh, that is an abnormality. It is not an insult. It is a simple working definition. But um, but why should everybody else be punished? Why should everybody else have their rights be restricted so that your um, group's rights can be expanded? That's not how this works. The Ohio Fairness Act has had three hearings, the last one in May. Uh, Antonio, Senator Antonio uh, from Lakewood says it's the seventh time a bill like this has been introduced in the last 11 years. 29 states, including Ohio, have no laws with this anti-discrimination language. Ohio's among 15 states, all Republican-controlled, joining the Trump administration in arguing that federal civil rights laws do not protect LGBTQ people from workplace discrimination. See, see there's that thing. Who would possibly be opposed to anti-discrimination laws, right? Nobody should be discriminated against. Right? That's the language here that they work with. You know, it's workplace discrimination. Workplace discrimination. Nobody should, would ever support the discrimination of anyone by anyone else. But what they don't tell you is that by default, eliminating, quote, workplace discrimination, in other words, uh, requiring people uh, to, you know, to follow accepted standard societal norms, etc., um, 
providing for those quote-unquote discriminations to be lifted would be a direct discrimination against everybody else. And that cannot be. 21 mostly Democratic states and the District of Columbia have filed briefs opposing that. The case will be argued before the U.S. Supreme Court on October 8th. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal, and it's being hailed by conservative groups, as noted. Uh, Tom Zawistowski, my friend, sent me a note uh, with his uh, link uh, to um, uh, the We the People Convention website, wethepeopleconvention.org, in support of Attorney General Yost's decision here. I'm going to share some of that with you as we continue. We have a lot of news to get to today, a lot of it local, like I said, kind of hyper-local if you consider Ohio. Uh, in that regard, uh, Congressman Renacci at 935. we got Peter Kirsten I was going to talk about. This is right in his wheelhouse, too, by the way. Peter Wright, uh, Peter Kirsten, rather, uh, is, of course, a uh, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. So this is a civil rights question, the Civil Rights Act of 1964. We'll get his thoughts uh, coming up at 10.05 as well. As for now, you can dial 216-901-0945. We'll put you up and on the radio. 888 if you have thoughts on the Attorney General's decision here in the state of Ohio on that matter and a host of other issues. Dial us up. The Bob France Authority right back after this. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. Nine twenty four now. The Bob France Authority on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Appreciate you joining us. So, um, uh, I want to share a little bit of this with you because I think it's a great response. I think uh, Tom Zawistowski, my friend from the uh, We the People uh, Convention uh, online at We the People Convention dot org, as well as uh, the Portage County Tea Party. I think he speaks for a lot of us uh, when he kind of kind of lays this out in respect to this lawsuit that Attorney General. Dave Yost has decided to join with uh, several other states. The We the People Convention wants to thank Attorney General Dave Yost for standing up for the 1964 Civil Rights Law and calling out the charade that that the left has been conducting in our schools, in our colleges, in large corporations, and in government. Here's a memo. LGBTQ, XYZ, and I do that too, whatever, are not a protected legal class and never have been and never should be The Obama administration acted as if they were a protected class, and the left tries to force everyone to give them special rights and privileges. But no federal law has ever been passed granting them protected status. It is time to leave to have the Supreme Court make that clear so that you can tell your school district and your place of business that LBGTQ uh, individuals are not special and should be treated like everyone else. That is the true nature of equality. Teach, uh, this is me now, this isn't Tom Z's statement. Treat everybody the same. They don't get special rights. They don't get special considerations. No one should. You really want to be equal? Here's an equality law. Follow the law. Here, that, that's, that's the best way to, to achieve equality. Follow the law. Make everybody follow it, no matter what you are. That's how you, you achieve equality. You're not by creating special rules and conditions for a certain group of people based on lifestyle choices or, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, psychological issues. But see, they don't want to be treated back to, uh, Tom Z's statement on this on uh, wethepeopleconvention.org. He sent this to me this morning. Uh, they don't want to be treated like everyone else. They don't want equal rights. They want superior rights to you and other Americans. They want to get the job even if they're not qualified. They want to get the promotion because of their fake protected class status, even if they aren't the best qualified. They want to threaten to sue your business for discrimination when you need to fire them because they can't or won't do the job. 
They want to get admitted to college before your child because of their fake protected class status. They, in fact, want to discriminate against you and everyone else to not to be treated equally. And again, now here's my own editorial on this. That's exactly what I was saying a few moments ago. To provide, quote, unquote, protected class status and to provide, quote, unquote, protected civil rights to LGBTQ individuals is to deny them to other people who don't fit their criteria. It is very different than the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Very different. Because providing uh, civil rights, equal rights, to people based on their race doesn't discriminate against somebody who is not of that race. You know, to a, to a person who is of a minority race, rather, doesn't discriminate against people who are of the majority race. That That's a very, very different thing than this, because this deliberately, intentionally, and knowingly discriminates against people who are not part of the minority LGBTQ status uh, of individuals. That's the difference here. They don't, Tom's right. They don't want equality. They want superior. I said this yesterday because of a host of stories. We talked with ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, yesterday about the big win in the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals up in Minnesota where a videography company, they make videos and films and they produce, uh, you know, wonderful, um, uh, uh, you know, audiovisual, uh, projects for people. And they've recently expanded into the wedding business, trying to produce, uh, you know, wonderful videos and stories of, of weddings. And they were, of course, immediately, as soon as they, they started branching out into that, um, the uh, LBGTQ mafia up in Minnesota, uh, aided by the ACLU, went to them and said, you must make this for a gay wedding. And if you don't, here's the lawsuit. In uh, the same-sex wedding, of course, is a violation of their own personal religious beliefs. And so, you know, away we go. And then I talked to you about Kentucky. This one was a T-shirt maker with the word Christian, by the way, in the company's name. And I can't remember it now off the top of my head, but the word Christian was in their name. And it's like, oh, you're a Christian T-shirt maker, huh? Here we come. We want you to make gay pride shirts. Well, actually, we can't do that. That's in violation of our beliefs of, 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 uh, of uh, uh, you know, biblical and Christian beliefs regarding heterosexual uh, uh Relations being the only thing defended by our faith. You know, it's man and woman. Marriage is between a man and woman, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, there it is. That's all we needed to hear needed to hear from you. You're being sued. So as I said yesterday, and I will repeat now in the wake of this story by uh, and this decision by Attorney General Dave Yost, the LGBTQ mafia is not about equality. They will not be satisfied until you are marching in the pride parade everyone must march wave that flag if you sit by silently you are complicit in discrimination against them you're a bigot you're a homophobe you're a transphobe you're this phobe that phobe whatever phobe and you are in violation of the law that's how they view this if you sit by silently or if you support the rights of everyone else not to have them, you know, their, their rights are uh, restricted because of rights being granted to other people, no, then you are part of the problem. They won't be satisfied until everyone is compelled to celebrate the awesomeness of their local LGBTQ XYZ exclamation point hashtag ampersand, uh, uh, you know, uh, individuals. Finishing up Tom's remarks. 
There is much more real discrimination today against straight white Christian males than, again, that's so true, against any other group, especially LGBTQ, uh, when at least 90% of their claims of discrimination have been hoaxes. America was built on the promise of equal rights for everyone. It's time that that law, for the law, rather, to again make that clear. And we trust the suit that A.G. Yost has joined will have the effect of reestablishing its fundamental American legal principle. Uh, there you go. That's a statement from uh, uh, Tom Z at uh, We the People Convention, not Oregon, the Portage County Tea Party. I completely concur. Congressman Jim Renacci joins us as we again talk about Ohio, but not just Ohio. Ta- Congressman Renacci, former Congressman Renacci, is now the uh, founder of the Ohio Futures, Ohio's Future Foundation. He does have a lot of stuff to say about that, but his book is about D.C., and the dysfunction in Washington, D.C. that he told me about every Friday over the course of the last few years. He'll join us next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine thirty six. Now the Bob France Authority continuing on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. We are scheduled to have uh, Congressman Jim Renacci on the air here in just a moment. Uh, we're trying to make that connection right now. Former Congressman Renacci, of course, now is uh, working in uh, uh, working to basically assist Ohio, uh, the state of Ohio. Ohio's Future Foundation is his uh, new. Uh, Calling, if you will. Uh, it's an organization that is devoted toward uh, a public policy in Ohio, working uh, with, uh, and in some cases against, if that's what it takes, Ohio legislators, uh, leaders, uh, executives, and so on and so forth, uh, to deal with uh, various issues that we face. Um, Ohio is obviously a very key, integral state to um, the presidential uh, the presidential race we all know that no republican has ever won the state or won the presidency without winning the state of ohio so we have to work very hard to make sure that ohio stays red we have to make sure that ohio's republican leaders including our governor including our uh, legislators and we do hold the majority republicans do in the house and in the ohio state senate uh that they're doing their jobs to make sure people will continue to support that leadership so we don't have congressman anybody uh, give me an update on where congressman renacy uh, what that situation is uh, i was told he's going to be on at 9:35 so I will let you know if and when we're able to get him on the air. All right. Uh, meantime, then, I am going to pivot to some other things that I do want to talk about. Joe Biden has decided that his struggles, and it is a struggle for him right now, Joe Biden uh, cannot stop his sinking campaign from sinking further. I mean, it's literally a daily grind for him. Every day he opens his mouth and says something dumb, a little bit dumber than the day before. Every day he says something uh, that, you know, that indicates he just not only has lost his fastball, but he might really be relying on, on his screwball. Um, and he is. Uh, his poll numbers drop. He has now sunk below Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, both in the latest Monmouth University poll. Uh, They are both at 20%. He is down at 19%. So what's Joe to do? Well, Joe has decided, I've got to get back to the race card. 
I've got to get back to the race card. I've got to find a way to reconnect with uh, minority voters. I've got to find a way to go back at Donald Trump and claim that, of course, he is the uh, uh, the problem, the white supremacist in chief, etc. And that's exactly what he did. Joe Biden has decided now that we're going to declare that uh, racism is a white man's problem. And he's going to then tie that to Donald Trump, literally. Uh, Joe Biden, facing scrutiny, by the way, over his ties to avowed segregationist Democrats in the, the Senate in his time uh, in the Senate, and his opposition to school busing, told a group of reporters yesterday that racism is institutional. It's an institutional white man's problem visited upon people of color within the United States. So let's, you know, this is again, what, what do we call the race card? We call it the last card in the deck. We call the race card the bottom of the deck, right? When all else fails, play the race card. If you cannot win on ideas, if you cannot make a, uh, you know, advancement with the people that you're trying to woo for votes, uh, with, uh, your ideas, with your record, let's play the race card and let's play the I am the advanced, um, enlightened, Democrat, a front runner who is going to take on the evil, uh, white supremacist, white nationalist Nazis like Donald Trump and his supporters in the, in the GOP. That's where he is. White folks are the reason we have institutional racism, he said yesterday. There has always been racism in America. White supremacists have always existed and they still exist. Biden leads his fellow 2020 Democratic candidate, or Democrats rather, uh, opponents substantially among black voters. He claimed that Donald Trump has only furthered those divisions. Here it is, as noted, using rhetoric that appeals to the worst damn instincts of human nature. His quote, the worst damn instincts of human nature. Along similar lines, Biden has accused the president of fanning the flames of white supremacy in recent weeks as he attempts to portray the next election as a referendum on the nation's soul. There it is. I'm the white guy. And and I'm going to tell you something else. This is really, really important. Part of what Joe Biden says here is actually true. I'm going to wait while you pick your jaw up a little bit here, and I'll explain. Part of what Joe Biden says here in his playing of the race card is actually true. But he doesn't realize that the truth in it is going to be bad for him and for his party because of their role. I I had dinner last night with two people who I will not name. But let me just state for the record that these are two people I trust implicitly and I have a great deal of respect for. And we were discussing the issue of uh, racism and institutional racism. And the individual, one of the individuals I was speaking with, the gentleman, pointed out the truth. He pointed out the truth. And the truth is that institutional racism does exist, but the institution that is practicing that racism still to this day is the liberal Democrat. The liberal Democrat institution is what is practicing institutional racism today. That's a fact that just cannot be disputed. Take a look at Cleveland. Take a look at East Cleveland. Take a look at the most, the poorest and most heavily minority-dominated districts in this state and across other states. 
what do they have in common? What they have in common is Democrat leadership that is absolutely oppressing people of color in those districts to make them continue to be beholden to the government and dependent upon the government for their very existence. They keep them down with respect to education. They keep them down with respect to job training. They keep them down by keeping crime high in their, in their areas. There are things they could do to impact all of those. I remember talking about this very, very uh, um, intricately with, uh, with former uh, a GOP candidate for Congress, Beverly Goldstein, who was running against Marsha Fudge, and she ran the last two times. And she pointed out the level of illiteracy in these districts and in these regions. And the fact is, she came forward with all kinds of incredibly important ideas, not just talk, but ideas about how to improve. We're not talking about literacy among kids, by the way. We're talking about adult illiteracy. When you're too illiterate to even fill out a job application or take some sort of an exam to get a job, um, that is that is systematic or systemic, rather, in institutional racism when nobody will help you Get out of that cycle. There is institutional racism meant to keep the black man down and the black man uneducated, the black man unemployed. And those racist tendencies, those racist institutions, are advanced by liberal Democrats all over this country. Joe Biden is not wrong. Joe Biden just doesn't really want to acknowledge the true, um, the true cause of that institutional racism. All right, it's 944. I'm told Congressman Renacci is on the line. We're going to take a quick time out and join him next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Now heard through downtown, through greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. All right, 949. Now the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer, I'm going to reset it up now the way we did pri- uh, previously. Congressman Jim Renacci, uh spent many, many, many uh, um, visits and interviews with me telling me about how dysfunctional Washington was during his time in office. Over the course of the last three or four years, every week that I had Congressman Renacci on, we would talk about the process, and we would talk about how Washington is broken. Now that he is out of Washington and is uh, the founder of the Ohio's Future Foundation and is working on Ohio. Ohio policy and Ohio leadership, uh, he is ready to call out those um, uh, individuals in Washington. His new book is called The GOP's Lost Decade, an inside view of why Washington doesn't work. And former Congressman Renacci joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer, to discuss. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good, Bob. How are you this morning? I'm good. Good to talk to you again. Uh, you know, it's kind of funny. We did uh, many, many interviews in which you talked about why why you wanted to get out of Washington. As a matter of fact, you were ready to get out of Washington uh, and run for governor before you decided to stay in Washington and answer the White House's call to run for the Senate. You were willing to exist in that uh, broken, dysfunctional atmosphere again, uh, just to, uh, you know, as, as we pointed out, to... Um, uh, uh, give the White House, you know, uh, to to essentially accept their invitation, if you will. They were looking for help, somebody to beat Sherrod Brown. Um, so you've talked about this for a very, very long time, and now you're putting it all together in a book. Tell me why. Well, absolutely, Bob. And look, after spending almost three decades in business and then eight years in Washington and, and two running for governor and Senate, 
I think I have a pretty unique perspective on why Washington doesn't work. But what's even even more concerning is in 2010, there was a group of us that went to Washington saying we're going to change this mess. And, you know, the, a decade now has passed and nothing has changed. We've gone past $13 trillion, and now we've just crossed $23 trillion. Remember, it was about $13 trillion when we stepped in in 2010. Now we're, we're crossing $23 tr- trillion, heading for $30 trillion. Nobody's talking about it. But what's even worse, Bob, and I talk about this in a book, the states will be affected next, including Ohio. Ohio is a state that continues to live off of federal dollars. At some point in time, the states that realize they can't do that are going to prosper. The states that don't, uh, that, that change their way of doing business, will um, will be the ones who, that don't change their way of business, will be the ones that fail. Ohio's on that path, too. So they've also lost a decade under John Kasich. I talk about him also in the book. Yeah, you do. You go after a lot of Republicans, your fellow Republicans here, um, and not just the Democrats. But again, you weren't shy about doing that really while you were there. So you know, people, people need to know this isn't, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, punching down from a position of, uh, you know, where you're outside of the, uh, of the office. You did this while you were there and you talk about Boehner and you talk about Paul Ryan. Was there a big difference between the leadership styles of Boehner and Ryan? Well, absolutely. I talk about that in a book. Uh, Boehner ignored the far right, and Paul Ryan tried to bring the far right in, but the problem was neither really allowed the process to occur. There is a process. Our founders gave us a process. It's hearings. We're hearing both sides of the aisle. It's not supposed to happen right away. You're not supposed to be handed a tax bill from leadership. You're not supposed to be handed you know, the, the, any bill from leadership, but that's what happens in Washington. We don't have hearings. I've complained about that before. The hearing process, even on guns, whether you like to remove guns, keep guns, whatever the process is, and you know I'm a big, strong supporter of the Second Amendment, but let's have hearings. Bring everybody in. Talk about it. You might talk about it for a year, two years. Put those hearings through the process and then make decisions based on everybody's input, not just the select few, which is the problem in Washington, also the problem in Ohio. Uh, we're talking to former Congressman Jim Renacci, who is now the uh, leader of the Ohio's Future Foundation, and he's also the author of a book that we are discussing. And uh, uh, you, you, you take you took uh, Governor Kasich to task a lot too. You pointed out the fact that, and I thought he did a pretty decent job in his first term, to be quite honest. But you point out in your book that, especially in his second term, when he decided he wanted to be president, and he focused all of his time and his attention on running what was going to be a, a long-shot campaign, to say the very least, but to run that campaign for president, he kind of turned his back on Ohio's issues. And uh, and our, our economy did stagnate a bit in his second term compared to his first, and also compared to the growth in the rest of the country. Well, keep in mind, Governor Casey took over at a really bad time. It was coming out of the recession, so everything was going to be positive. But look at some of the things he did, even in the first term. I mean, he borrowed against the turnpike uh, over 33 years on roads and bridges that will be only good for five to seven years. Who in the world would ever approve that kind of policy where you're borrowing over 33 years for something that's only going to last five, seven, ten years? These are the type of policies he was putting in place to prepare for his run for president, which I said all along in the beginning, he was looking to run for president the day he stepped into the governor's office. The sad thing is, too many politicians are doing that as well. We have that already where people say, well, here's going to be the next governor of Ohio, and he's preparing already, or here's going to be the next president, or here's going to be the next you know, mayor. Everybody seems to want to move into that position, and we're not allowing the process to occur. I talk about that in a book, too. Paul Ryan was anointed uh, the next Speaker of the House, instead of the process allowing 
you know, the people that are actually elected to pick the next speaker. And again, those are the problems that occur when you don't allow the process to occur. We are talking to uh, former Congressman Jim Renacci. His book is The GOP's Lost Decade, an inside view of why Washington doesn't work. This is a kind of a, a very difficult, in fact, impossible question to answer. If you had the prescription for, quote, fixing Washington, you could be a billionaire uh, by patenting it and selling it. But what suggestions would you have for fixing the process, fixing the dysfunction? And given today's you know, division. Uh, you know, we've always been a partisan nation, I suppose. Democrats and Republicans rarely agree on much. Uh, but it, you know, I think everybody would agree it's kind of worse now than it has ever been. It has been for the last 15 years, I would say, the eight years of the Obama administration, much of the Bush administration, and now with the Trump administration, the partisanship has gotten worse. Um, is it possible to fix the dysfunction as much as the two sides seem to hate each other right now? Well, I do believe it is, and I, put, I have those solutions in the book. I mean, one of them is term limits. I continue to talk about that. Look, if people know they could only stay a certain period of time, they're going to work to get things done. The other thing is you narrow the amount of time people are in Washington or in the state house. Look at the states that are working. I mean, there are probably House members and, and state house and state Senate members listening to your, this, this discussion. But think about, you know, Texas. It's only in session for 60 days I think out of a two-year period, or maybe that's South, Carolina, South Dakota. Anyway, those states are working because people realize they got to get in, they got to get their job done, and they have to get out. Term limits will do it. Forcing people to balance the budget will do it. These are hard decisions that politicians don't want to make because they continue to just work for the next election or the next position, which is a whole other problem. I can list you at least 10 people who are already running for the next position, um, even in Ohio. And the problem is we should be talking about the next generation and how we fix it. There's all kind of other things, you, you know, spending. We shouldn't be raising spending every year. We should be cutting it. There's so many things that can be done. And I talk about those in a book, but it takes people who are willing to lose. You know, it's interesting. It's sometimes to do the right thing, you have to be willing to take the chance to that you might lose an election, but you're doing what's best for the future of our country or our state. Too often we don't have politicians willing to do that. Let's talk more about the state. Um, you are uh, the founder of and the leader of Ohio's Future Foundation. You have a lot of very good people working uh, to discuss and to suggest and recommend uh, policy uh, in the state of Ohio. Can you give me, first of all, just a little bit more on, on the foundation, and then second of all, uh, you've made some statements about the way the state is being run right now uh, by Governor Mike DeWine. Can you tell me uh, how you believe he is performing and how the state is performing under his leadership in the short period of time, of course, that he has been there? Well, it's a short period of time, but again, policies have to change, and the governor needs to start taking a look at those policies. Look, he was handed a really bad uh, bag of goods from Governor Kasich. He needs to be able to change but you can't say, well, I'm going to do it in the second year or third year. You've got to do it immediately. So the best example I can give you, and every, every, whether you're a mayor, whether you're a county commissioner in the state of Ohio, you should be worried about this number, 5,200 private sector jobs. That's all we've had in the first six months of this year. And you can get that number from the Bureau of Labor Statistics that people don't want to talk about, 5,200 jobs. That's what a city should be bringing in, not an entire state. That's anemic at best. That's way below the Kasich numbers, and that's a problem. We are starting down a path when we have a great Trump economy that's growing the economy, growing jobs all across our nation, and Ohio is lagging way behind. The other big issue for Ohio is it still has not caught up 
to the 2007 job numbers. That's a significant problem. So the policies that we continue to promote and push were the Kasich policies and some of the Strickland policies. They continue. We're not making any changes, and yet we're continuing to fall further and further behind. But nobody can argue. If you ever hear anybody say, we've had record job filings or, or record business filings, that's hogwash. Business filings don't mean anything. I just sold a business, and I filed four new business filings to sell the business because of the tax issue. We're one of the states that has the, you know, the, all states have four ways of taxing. There are only three states that use all four. Ohio is one of them. So if you start to think about this, we need to start changing some of the big issues, which are problematic for people who want to stay in office. Remember what I said. You got to be willing to throw that pass every once in a while into coverage. You got to be willing to run the ball. You got to be willing to move the ball down the field. Too often politicians don't want to do that. Last thing before you go, and I've only got 30 seconds left. I hate to do this to you, but I just interviewed the governor last week about these red flag laws that he is supporting and wants to push through uh, the Ohio General Assembly. You mentioned yourself being a strong Second Amendment supporter. Uh, what are your thoughts on the governor's plan uh, with respect to the, um, again, we call them red flag laws. He doesn't like that terminology. He talks about personal protection orders. Well, look, the red flag laws, uh, we looked at them in Congress. I spent almost a year and a half on it. I realized at the end there's no way to give due process and that was the issue. That's the reason it didn't move in Congress. That's one of the reasons why Republicans tried to work on this in Congress. They tried to find a way for due process. There is no way to guarantee due process. It's the reason it failed in Congress. It's the reason it will be a problem in Ohio. Congressman Jim Renacci, we'll talk more about that the next time that we do talk, uh, because we are out of time now. But I really thank you for your uh, for your time today. I wish you the very best of luck with the book. I want to tell everybody, once again, to pick up the congressman's book. It's very, very important knowledge. It's important reading. It's something, again, we've discussed for a very long time, Washington's dysfunction and how it can be fixed. Congressman, thank you so much for the time. Thank you, Bob. You have a great day. You got it. You too, sir. Thank you. All right, it's 10 o'clock, and you know what that means. It's news time. You know what it means after that? Strangely, on a Wednesday, it means it's cursing out time. Peter joins us next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.